Very warm greetings to all in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, when there is something in our lives that we long for, we desire very much, we are typically not easily satisfied, isn't it? So, for example, if well, those who, like, who love to bake, those who love to um, cook, Whenever I talk to them, well, they say, well, I say, wow, this is very nice. Say, no, you know, I can do better. There's this thing that I've been experimenting. The next time I will try this, you know, this is not perfect. Sometimes you talk to people who love gardening. They say, wow, the fruits in your garden, they're amazing. Praise God for the skill he has given you, that ability. They say, oh, you know, can be better. Next season, I'll do this, I'll do that, you know. It'll be sweeter, it'll be juicier, it'll be more colourful. Say, next, next, next season, I'll do that. Well, sometimes you talk to people who love certain sports. They're already very good at it. Look at the world. Some of them, they are, they are top in their area of, of um, games, but yet they never are satisfied. They were perfect certain movements, they were perfect, certain swing. However good they are, they're always not satisfied. They seek, they seek to be more and more perfect. Now this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about in the passage that we have just read. And we need to apply this mentality to ourselves. Now let's turn to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Now, the message titled today is, How Satisfied Are You? The Apostle Paul was highly dissatisfied with his walk. Look at chapter 3. Now, we've covered some of these verses. Look at verse 12. He says, Not as though I had already attained, attained either were already perfect. You see, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm striving still. I haven't attained it. Now, really think about it. He is so far ahead of even the apostles of his time, of Christians of his time, let alone now. But he said, I have not attained. Just like many of you say, wow, this is not good enough. They say, wow, this is, to me, amazing. Look at verse 13. Then he says further, brethren, I count not myself apprehended. To have apprehended. I count not myself to have seized seized on something yet. I have not. And then in verse 14, he says, no, I, I continue to press toward the mark of the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I am still pressing. I'm not satisfied. It's not good enough. So much room for improvement. Then he says to us, to the people in the church, well, God says this to us. Look at verse 14. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything that ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now, what is he saying? Now, he says, now, I want to encourage you. I've shared with you my own dissatisfaction with my Christian walk. But I don't share this 
to show off. I love you. Remember, Paul is writing to, a, to the Philippians. He has a particular affection for this church. It's very dear to him. Not that other churches were not dear to him. He suffered for them. He loved them very much. But this particular church, and he says, now let us, he's persuading, let us, all of you, as many as be perfect. Now those of you who think you have, you have arrived, now be like me, be like me. Don't be satisfied. Then verse 16, nevertheless, where to we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Now what is he saying? Well, for whatever state you are in, don't be satisfied. Don't give up. Don't throw the towel in. Press on. Press on. Now we are like that in many areas of our lives. In areas that we love, in areas that we find that it counts a lot. Your parent can say, hey, enough already, go to sleep. Let him mommy know, a little bit more, a little bit more. Right? You're drawing something, right, young ones? You're drawing something, or you're designing something. They say, sleep already. I just want to do a little bit more of this. I want to try and make it perfect, right? Or they have to pull you away from your hobby. You're never satisfied. Now, let us learn from the Apostle Paul. God uses him to say, let us. Let us. What can we learn? Well, we're covering verses 14 to 16 today. Well, verse 14 is about well, what, what, what must you and I be dissatisfied with? Because there's so many things that we're dissatisfied on earth about, right? Well, some of us, about our looks. I wish I could be taller. So we exercise to be taller. I wish I could be stronger, whatever it is. Not satisfied. What is it that Paul says, let us not be satisfied with. The what? Well, verse 15. Verse 15 tells us, now the where. Where, where especially? Because he says, in anything you be otherwise minded. Well, what are the areas? In anything, what are the areas? And then in verse 16, now, that is where the strong encouragement, the expectation comes. To strongly say, don't be satisfied. Never be satisfied till you meet Christ. The what? The which areas? And finally, the emphasis, don't be satisfied. Now, God willing, let us learn from this passage. Now, first and foremost, let's look at verse 14. You see, Paul, had, Paul kept saying, he talked about perfection. Look at verse 12. Now, either were already perfect, the level of maturity or even perfection. Now, he says, it's as if Christian is a race. Christianity is a race. Because the language used here, I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling. Now, these are terms that the Greek people, they would understand very quickly. They had um, the various um, Greek um, sports events. They would relate it, oh, Paul is using sports events to explain to us a picture. Now, Paul is saying, I keep pressing. Christianity, Christ, Christian walk is a race. It's a race. 
Everyone is in the race. Remember that. And it's pressing towards something. What is it? Look at verse 14. I press, well, many of us read this and say, well, I press for the price of the high calling, for the price. I'm pressing for the price. Read carefully. Paul is not saying that. In verse 14, he said, I press toward the mark. It is the mark for the price of the high calling. The mark is what he is aiming for. You see, in this race, in these races, there is, well, a finishing line. They will look at the line. That is the mark. White or whatever, a white line. That is the mark. I'm pressing towards that mark. That is the price. The aim is the mark. Now, why is it important to understand that? The mark is a target. The mark is the goal. Why is it not the price? Why is it not the price? You see, the price here refers to at the end of it, all Christians will have that price. It refers to salvation. All Christians will receive salvation. It is the mark of that price that Paul is talking about on earth. Now, let us look at this carefully. Let us therefore, as, sorry, verse 14, I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, first and foremost, this word for can confuse us. Some read it, and then they teach such a doctrine. We must press towards the mark in order to receive the price, the mark for the price. It cannot be, because it will end up salvation by works. I live this, this life, I walk in a certain way. If I, if I achieve that mark, that goal, that target, then I can get this price, for this price. Somebody say, well, I work very hard for good results, for um, pay increment. I work for, right? Now, this word for cannot mean that because Paul just before this had already said salvation is not by works. No matter how hard you work for your salvation, you can never be saved because no one worked harder than him, he said. So th what is this for? Now, the Greek word for this has many applications and the translation for is also correct. Now, this for is, you see, the price, which is salvation, has a mark attached to it means there is a distinguishing thing for this particular price. Not do this and receive this, but this distinguishes, this distinguishes this price. And what is this mark? Well, Paul has said, alluded many times, well, I have not, look at verse 10, well, I have not attained the resurrection, verse 11, sorry, I have not attained resurrection, I have not died, resurrected, given the glorious body. And then he say, not as I have attained, or either already perfect, I have not the glorious body, the resurrected body. I am not having this perfection yet. But he says, I press towards the mark that one day when I arise, when we arise, when we have the resurrected body or when we are in heaven, what are we? Well, Paul just said, perfect 
sinless, absolutely conformed to the image of Christ. You see, salvation, now salvation means we are perfect in the eyes of God, sinless in the eyes of God. We can never have that price, no matter how hard we work. That price is given to all who believe in Christ. But in heaven, in the glorious body, what distinguishes those who have this prize? Perfection. The perfection of Christ. That is the mark. You see, Paul knew all of us will have the prize. And that prize has a distinguishing mark of a perfect, sinless life. That is what it is. I press towards that mark. Now I say, hang on, preacher, pastor. None of us can be sinless. None of us can be sinless. Why is Paul telling us to press towards this sinless perfection which characterizes the price? Those who have that price, they're sinless perfection. In sinless perfection. How can Paul ask us to press for that mark? Now, just because, just because sinless perfection cannot be attained on this earth does not mean that we do not press towards it. That is what God is saying. Just because sinless perfection is not achievable on earth does not mean you do not press for it. Paul says, I'm never satisfied Paul, when he says, I'm never satisfied, he's not saying, I'm never satisfied till I'm perfect for heaven. No. He said, I'm never satisfied because that is what God saved me to be one day and now I want to be as close to what I will be in heaven. That I will be as close an image to Christ. That is what we are supposed to be, conformed to the image of Christ. As close to the image as possible on earth. That is called progressive sanctification. Now, there's a misunderstanding or false teaching that deceives many. Today is, as long as you're saved, you're going to heaven. Sinless perfection cannot be achieved. Live as you wish. Don't beat yourself up. Right? Don't beat yourself up. God loves you. God just wants you to have a good time. This whole trying to be as close to sinlessness because close to sinlessness is close as possible to image of Christ, right? It's not necessary. Here in scriptures, it makes us clear. Paul says, I'm never satisfied till I be as close as what Christ wants me to be in heaven while I am on earth. That's the whole meaning of the chief end of man is to glorify God. Your life reflects Christ as closely as possible. The more it resembles Christ's life, people will see Christ. That's how you glorify Christ. So, Christian, do not think that this is something that is not for us. Well, now Paul says in verse 14, so you know, clearly, this passage is talking about pressing towards as close to be what we are to be in heaven as possible. All right? No slacking. But Paul says this in verse 14, I press, I press towards the mark. Now, it is not just talk only. Paul has been talking about 
well, how he wants to love God, how he wants to be apprehended by his love and to apprehend that which he's apprehended for. He talked about all this. It's not talk. He said, I press. I press. Now, this word press, it means to pursue with earnestness, with focus, with diligence to obtain something. So, meaning he says, now, in this race, I keep looking at that mark, that line. And I look at it with a very clear aim. I want to be. I want to reach it. There is no wishy-washy thinking in me. And it is a picture of someone, you know, when they, are, when they see the line, when they run, they finally see the line. They reach forth. They strain forward. You see some of these Olympic runners, right? When they're reaching the line, oh, that is where they put in their last spurt of energy. They lean, they strain every muscle in them and focus in them and say, this is all in now. That is what he's saying. It's all in. You see, Paul said, I see the mark. I know. We see the mark. We know. It's all in, Christian. All in. Now, it's a picture of vigorous activity. That's why these people... Once they see that mark, they know where they are going. Oh, they continuously strain. So Paul put all this picture to us. The straining to sinless perfection life, though we know we cannot attain it, calls for all our energy, all our pursuit, uncompromising. Let everything anything that gets in the way be cast aside that is what it is you know these runners they wear special clothes and all that i read some of them they make sure they shave their their body hair even all right the swimmers to them even the body hair can cause resistance they shave it off right so anything that will even minimally affect 0.01 second they will get rid of it no, that is what Paul is talking about. So, think of Paul. Like I said many times over the last few weeks, he is so far ahead of us. But yet he says, I strain with every focus and remove everything. That is why he said, I count all things but dung. Anything that stands in my way, even if they are not sinful, but it causes me not to be able to be as close to perfection as possible, I get rid of it. Now, I want to emphasize again, please don't say pastor is teaching sinless perfection. I am not. Scriptures are not. I cannot. Right? This is an aim that you give all your heart, soul, strength, and mind towards. Now, but some of you, I know what you're thinking now. Maybe the elderly, maybe the teens, maybe everyone, most people. You're thinking this, right? If all of us are getting the price, if all of us will then become sinlessly perfected in heaven, just wait till then. Just wait till then. You know, why press so hard? But Paul said, I press very hard. Right? Now, some people say, one safe, always safe, is a terrible teaching. Because when you say, well, you're once, if you're genuinely saved, you, you're once saved, you're definitely going to heaven. Now, it 
reduces the Christians pressing on, right? Well, if all of us are going to heaven, definitely, well, it has nothing to do with how hard we press, we are getting to heaven, then, you know, it, it is a bad doctrine. Don't teach it. It discourages Christians from pressing on. Well, we must understand one thing. What is true and how people, how human beings will take the truth, keep it separate. If it is the truth, it is the truth. God said, no one can pluck you out of my hands. God said, whosoever believers will have everlasting life and shall not perish. It is a strong emphasis. You will never, ever perish. If you're genuinely saved, you will never, ever perish. Know that. Just because people react wrongly, we must not change the truth. Always remember the principle. But yeah, you still say, well, you know, all of us getting the prize, then why press so hard? Why live like that? You know, there's one principle that I try to establish in this church, and that is not to give prizes. Not to give prizes. So we have family camp, we have games. Well, we count points, but we do not have prizes. Children's Sunday school outing, um, we have children's activity, and then they compete. But there are also no prizes. Young ones, are you disappointed? No prize. How come? We work so hard, we won, and no prize. Right? Well, children love prizes. Whatever it is, any activity. Now, why? Why? To establish a certain way of living in our lives. What do I mean by that? Before, before going any further, you may switch off, you know, because, it, well, I'm going to heaven already, I'll be perfect then, and I don't have to strive so hard. Why I want to establish this is make sure you understand and you listen, the principle. Why does Paul say, I cannot be perfect, I know we will get the price, but let us all strive this way. Why? Well, the principle is simple. The Christian never lives, never obeys God for a price. Remember that. Maybe we use the analogy, the illustration of, of a game, right? So, remember this. Christian race, Christian life is a race. There is no, it's not a spectator spot, as people often say. Sit there and watch, wow, these people, oh, these are the Christians that like to wow, be very serious about the Christian life, right? Everyone is on the track. If you are not on the track, my friend, means you are not saved. Are you truly saved? You have to ask yourself. If you're someone who just say, well, really seriously, I, I don't have to. Neither do I care. You must check your salvation. Every Christian will want to be in the race. Every Christian is part of the race. Salvation is not by works, but after salvation, it is a life of sanctification. Now, so a whole bunch of you. So imagine we have children Sunday school outing. A whole bunch of children and adults on the track, all right? Then, then I announce, everyone will get the prize. Everyone will get the same prize, all right? What will happen? What will happen? Well, maybe some of us are like that, all right? Then we stroll, all right? Well, then it's some very serious, very serious. Then you look at it, crazy, this guy. So serious. All of us are going to get the same prize anyway. Well, some may say, well, never mind, I'll just lie down on the track, we're quite tired, hot, then lie down in the shade and take a nap. 
while people are going, going. I'll take a nap. Or some people, well, along the way, they say, hey, let's, let's play football, all right? Instead of running, let's play a side game. Anyway, after this, at the end, all of us are going to get the same prize, right? Now, what would you think? How can they be like that? You see, the Christian, the Christian is supposed to be at our best. The Christian always live righteously, put in our best effort, do whatever is pleasing to God, simply because we are Christians. That is it. The fact that that price is already mine is a reminder that I must live up to that price that I will receive one day. Not live to get, huh? live up to. is given to me. Now, Christian, you must understand that. For any Christian who is satisfied and think, well, we're all going to get the price, you must begin to look at yourself and say, wow, am I that despicable? Am I that such a person? See, we always say, do my best for Christ. Love Christ. Now, there is something that I would call a great disconnect. You know a great disconnect? Means we say, we sing, right? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And then we pray, Lord, make me love you more and all. But then when we really look ourselves from the outside on the track, how we move on the track, it's a great disconnect from what we say we want to be. Oh Lord, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. All things work together to them that love God, that call according to His purpose, that we may be conformed to His image. We say all these things. Now what is your life during the weekday? What is your life after worship? Compared to what you've been singing, what in our hearts we've been thinking, we must awaken to this great disconnect in us. And Paul is trying to awaken the Christian. Don't have this great disconnect. Strive. Yes, you are going to get the prize. But the mark, while we are on earth, that mark, all of us must take it very seriously because we are people who will receive the prize. So, now, that must be understood first and foremost. Now, then we ask ourselves, all right? We ask ourselves, um, why are we not like that? Why are we not like that? Look at how Paul puts it in verse 14. I press toward the mark that characterizes for, right? This mark is for the price of the high calling of God. The high calling of God. Why is it that in this race, many of us get distracted? Why is it that in this race, many of us don't seem to be very interested to strive for Christ-likeness as close to perfection as possible? Why? See, Paul did not say, I strive for the price of the calling. But he uses a specific word, high calling. Means, the word high means lofty, grand, supreme, above all, heavenly. He uses that word, to remind the Christian, now that mark is our high calling. To live a life of as perfect as possible in sanctification by the grace of God, we can never do that, right? By the grace of God is our calling. That mark is our calling, my friends. 
We will have the prize, but on earth, that is the mark. That is the calling. Now, many Christians say, I want to know the calling of God for my life. What is God's calling for my life? Here is the open answer from God to you today. The calling of God for you, for your life, is to be as close to Christ's likeness, as close to perfection as possible. That is your calling. Well known. Don't have to search any further. Well, I understand what you're saying. Well, is God's calling for me to be in this job? Is God calling for me to be married or not married? Is God's calling for me to be in Perth or not to be in Perth? Is God's calling for my child, for my family? And so on. I understand. But you see, that mark is that high calling. All of us will have our earthly callings. That is for sure. Some are called to certain jobs, certain vocation in life, um, to marriage or singlehood, so on. There is a calling on earth for each one of us. But remember this, all our earthly callings are there to fulfill our high calling. Remember that. Because many of us just want to know, God, is your calling for me, for this, for that, for that. What's your calling? As, as an end in itself. That is why we lose focus. Now, Paul says, anything that gets in my way, I get rid of it. Anything that helps me, look at verse, look at verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, if by any means I can live as close as a glorified body person. He said, any means, anything that contributes I will use it fully to help me be the Christian that I ought to be to the fullest. Your job, your calling of marriage or singlehood, your calling as a student, what to study, what you will come out to do. Now, all these callings are supposed to help you by any means to live a life that fulfills your purpose of reflecting Christ, your progress, your sanctification. Everything is to support it. That is, in fact, the word, the word here, mark, is the word skopos in Greek. Scope, very clear. Define, focus. So there's clarity, the scope, right? Paul is, this word, high calling, is to remind us. Christian, when you go to work, don't take it as well here to make money, here to get promotion, here to um, get as much knowledge, as much for myself as possible. There's nothing sinful about promotion, nothing sinful about getting knowledge, nothing sinful. But the thing is this, you are there to live a godly life of sanctification. means all your choices, all your decisions is not for promotion. It is for a life of holiness, a life of godliness, righteousness. You see, once our scope is not clear, what's the problem? 
We don't value that line. Anything that will promote what I want to get, I will do. But once we say anything that will promote Christ, although it may, I may suffer loss, Paul said, I suffer the loss of all things to be able to show, to live a life that is more, as close to Christ as possible. I will sacrifice anything. Anything that will call for a sacrifice but will reflect Christ more because of my sight is so clear at work. It does not matter if I did not get promoted. After working so hard, living so rightly, I did not. It doesn't matter because my scope, my mark is clear. As long as they know I am a righteous, godly person. And they say Christians are like that. That is, that is now achieving a closer step towards that mark. Understand that. Same children in school. Don't be so worried about friends not liking you and so on. You see, the Jews did not like Paul. Paul has so much that he can go back to and make the Jews like them, like him again. He said they are dumb. Anything that gets in the way, they are dumb. Refuse. So young ones, live for Christ. Live above the world because your mark is clear to be a godly child in school, to be a righteous person in school. Right? Live for that because your mark is clear. Are you satisfied with your life? What satisfies you, my friend? Is it to be richer, more famous, more popular, more capable? Well, in itself, they're not wrong. But you see, that is the, not the mark of the high calling. Those things, if God intends for you to have them, are meant to contribute to your high calling. Remember that. Now, how do you view how do you view your calling? Subsumed under the high calling? Or what you are pursuing for your career, for your school results, for your children, for your family? That is your high calling. That is the lofty goal. That is the glorious goal. And that is where it ends. See, Paul saw beyond all this. Everything that, that can contribute. Like these runners. If shaving will contribute, I look funny after that, but I'll shave. Shave. Right? Women will become bald or they wear those caps. Anything. The track shoes, the garments, the equipment, they are not the end by itself. Don't be satisfied with these things. Be very dissatisfied that you are not what you should be. I use these things to help me be what I should be. They are not an end in itself. Remember that. So look at your job, look at your school, look at your results, look at your money, look at your health, look at your, your retirement life. Look at all this as just equipment to be more like Christ now. Because this word, I press, is in the present tense. Present tense. Means Paul say. Every day, this is how I live. Till the day I reach that line. Till the day I reach perfection. I have not attained it yet. But this is how I view and live my life. That is why Paul's 
vision is so clear. His scopus is so clear. He looks at the high calling. We look at our earthly calling. That's all. Now, let's move on then. What are the areas? All right? What are the areas? Look at verse 15. Let us therefore as many be, as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So we know it's about the mark. Now, but what, what is this mark like? You say, Pastor, you're talking in general terms. I want to go and now press to this mark. What, 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 is, entail, what is entailed in this mark? What areas? Well, perhaps some of the Christians at that time also had the same question. And Paul was more sophist, specific, verse 15. In anything, in anything, ye be otherwise minded. Now you say, this attitude, this pressing, is in anything. Because some say, well, in this area, in that area. But Paul says, well, in every area, in anything, in the Christian walk, everything is subsumed under this high calling. Now look at verse 15. It's, if Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Perhaps there were some Christians who felt they were very mature, very godly. They lived their life for a long time already in obedience in many areas, many things. To the point where they feel that, or rather to the point where they are blindsided. They just think they are good enough already. But Paul said, now don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied. Even if you think you are pretty good. Even if you think you are perfect. Very close to that maturity. There are still many areas. There are still areas in every area. Be thus minded. Now, what are the areas that Paul has just addressed? It helps us to know, Lord, I want to press towards this mark. What is involved? What are involved in this mark? Well, just look at the Apostle Paul's. What he has been life, what he has been talking about and what, has been, what he has been encouraging the people to do. Well, let, let's look at chapter 2. Chapter 2. Now, in verses 2, to four, two to four. He talked about esteeming others better. He talked about don't do things for vain glory. He talks about, well, be concerned about the others. In other words, the love for others, right? The love for others. But that love spawn service. Now, maybe I'll help us to remember. You see, some of them feel very mature, very perfect, very mature. But Paul said, please go back to school. Please go back to school. Please learn. Please be humble. Go back to school. If you're very satisfied, I need, you, I need to send you back to school. All right? I spell school as S-K-O-O-L. S-K-O-L, not S-C-H-O-O-L. School. S-service. Paul, in chapter 2, verses 14, all the way to verse 30, talked about service. He said, when it comes to serving, I serve till I'm willing to be poured out. Timothy was always concerned about everything. You know, Timothy was already so good, but he said, not enough. I'm very concerned about the church. Epaphroditus, he was already making so much sacrifices, but he's willing to serve till he was so sick, almost died. 
in the area of service. They pressed. They were never satisfied. Epaphroditus could say, well, you know, I've been doing so much. And then now I, I take leave, I give up my job, I travel all the way there and risk my life. But he says, I'm not satisfied. I will do it. I will press on. Service. Now, my friends, we can become over time satisfied with our service. Paul was never. Planted so many churches. Wrote so many, use of God to write so many epistles, more than any apostles. Suffered so much. But he's the one who says, don't be satisfied. Even in prison, constantly finding ways to evangelize, serve God, encourage the churches, service. My friends, have you become satisfied with your service? And if you, you know, I'm pretty good. I, I'm a few ministries. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. No one can come close to Paul. But he says, no, I'm not satisfied. When you prepare your Sunday school, when you prepare any service in church, even background service, are you satisfied? So mature, those, that are, those who think you're perfect. Some of us think, well, you know, I work pretty hard. I, well, I'm teaching, I'm doing a fair job. But Paul says, I'm never satisfied with my job, with what I do, how I do it. Are you preparing each lesson, each thing that you do in church? To the maximum, even if it's a very small thing, are you satisfied? Ah, just do this, get it out of the way. Is that our attitude? Service. Paul was never satisfied. Now, the K. Well, he talked about service, then we learned all this last week, last few weeks. Verse 10, he summarized a lot of things. That I may know him, knowledge of Christ. He's never satisfied. We said, he of all the apostles were given the most revelation by saying, well, that I may know him. Are you satisfied with your knowledge? You see, many of us say, ah, I know this, I know that. I remember trying to encourage an elderly to come for basic Bible knowledge. Ah, so basic. I've been a Christian for so long, you know, young men. I know more than you. That they think that they're perfect. Well, perhaps there are some among us. I don't need to know so much. I know enough. Just roughly know that's good enough. Paul said, not enough. Are we pursuing the knowledge of Christ? Well, of course, it's knowledge is a knowledge that we may know him. Are you satisfied with your knowledge of Christ? Paul said, I'm never satisfied. Paul is such personal work with Christ. Well, we are satisfied with many things. You know. We're not satisfied with our friendships. We're not satisfied with our holidays. We're not satisfied with eating this and eating this. More, more, more. But are we satisfied? with our knowledge of Christ. Why do you feel that two Bible studies too much a week? You just attend one, that is good enough. Paul says, I'm never satisfied. Now, quickly, we're running out of time. The O, the O, all right? In verse 10, and the power of his resurrection, we studied that, that was about the sanctified life of sanctification. Obedience, obedience. Are you satisfied with your obedience? You know, Sunday, I already... Go to church already. Oh, what keep the Lord's day holy to God? Go to nursing home. You know, read the Bible. I went to church already. I already obeyed God. Are you satisfied with your obedience? Are you satisfied with your obedience? Well, I'm already obeying God in this and that. But Paul says in verse fifteen, in and if in anything you be otherwise minded, 
in anything, every area. I am not satisfied. You know, like a person baking a cake. Sometimes I talk to some of you or some 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 biscuit or what. You want to you want the color to be perfect. You want the taste, the sweetness to be right. You want the texture to be perfect. You're always in every aspect of the cake. You want you look at every aspect to be perfect. It's our obedience like that. Obey some things, some things don't need to obey, that's fine. Don't have to be so serious. But Paul says, please, even if you're mature, there's so much room for improvement. Don't be complacent. Look around our own lives. You know one of the most frightening things about if ye be mature, if ye be perfect, if many as be perfect, be thus minded, it means that there were thus, there, there were some who feel that maybe the church elder, maybe the church pastor, maybe the church deacons, maybe the church workers, they began to feel, I serve so much already. I obey better than many congregation members. That is good enough. Then they fall into the average, mediocre Christian walk. Yes, maybe better than others in the congregation. That is the great danger as we grow in Christ, as we serve more. Now, please remember, the Christian race, I said it's a Christian race. Christian race is not a race against other Christians. Please remember that. It is not to show that I am better than other Christians. It's a competition. It's a comparison with other Christians. The Christian race, Paul says, is a race against myself. Just like someone who's baking a cake. I know my cake is better than others. I know that my game is better than others. I know that my, my design is better than others. But I, I'm not talking about others. I have a perfection in mind. I am racing against myself. myself. Christian walk must be viewed like that. However, whatever state you have reached, it's never a comparison. But you know, I attend more Bible studies, go for more prayer meetings, um, serve more in more ministries, uh, more regular in fellowships, I, more in many things. That should be good enough. Paul is saying exactly that. If you think you are already perfect in comparison to others, stop thinking like that. You must not be satisfied. I think that is the greatest danger among many of us. I am very thankful to God that many of you serve. But if there is now growing in you, sitting there and saying, ah, pretty good, huh? Learn to be like Paul. Now, next one. Next one. Yes, all will get the price. Yes, there are areas that I must be very careful to make sure that I'm pressing on. Then the other O, almost forgot, almost move on. The other O, remember in verse 9, now in verse 10, sorry. Uh, sorry, verse 12, I will say verse 12. Now, now he says, I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. We studied last week. Two things. He said, I'm apprehended of Christ means he was overwhelmed by the love of Christ, by the sacrifice of Christ. He is gripped by that, seized, apprehended, arrested by that love. What we studied in this morning, BBK. I hope it's not just theological knowledge. Wow, interesting. Wow. 
But you must really realize God came to be the creature, man, to die for me when I don't deserve it. These are thoughts beyond my imagination. Oh, what love that he should die for me. Wondrous love that's too sublime for me. Right? The hymn writer says. He is overwhelmed. This is the O. His obedience was because of his being overwhelmed by the love of Christ. I am never satisfied with my knowledge of Christ's love. You know, do you get tired, my friends, when you hear about the love of Christ? Sometimes I wonder whenever it comes to the gospel part in preaching or in Bible studies. I know the story already. Ah, okay, this part I'll switch off. Yeah, Christ came to die for me and then he bled on the cross and then he resurrected. Well, I know, that, I know it. You see, to Paul, this knowledge of Christ's love is overwhelming. Have we reached a stage where I'm not satisfied? I know of Christ's love, but I, I really feel I don't know enough. Whenever I study the Bible, I look for things that tells me about the debt of love that I owe. You study, that is good. You take many FEBC Bible College courses, that is good. But don't be satisfied with the number of courses you take. I'm never satisfied. No matter how much I study, I still do not know Christ's love for me clearly enough to constrain me. I'm not satisfied. Then the last one, the L. Apprehended for which Christ, that which Christ apprehended me. What is that? We know last week. I wish I could ask you questions now. What is that? What did Christ apprehend us for? What is the that? What is that thing that Christ seized us for? The great commandment. That we will love him with all our heart, soul, strength and mind. The L is, my love for Christ is never enough. You know, pastor, actually I love Christ a lot already, right? I make sacrifices, I do this, I do that. What Paul says, if any be perfect, if you think so. See, Paul was very loving. He understood that some have their weakness. But if you think so, don't be satisfied with your love for Christ still. Lord, compared to others, I know I work much harder. But Lord, it's nothing compared to what you did for me. I want to love you more. I want to show you my love more. More love to thee, O Christ. More love. If whenever I meet something that I have to make a choice between you, I won't say between you, I make a choice between that scope, that line of being more Christ-like, if I have to choose between that and this thing, though it's not sinful, Lord, I choose that. Because more love to you, O Christ, more love to you, I will choose that. Love. I am never satisfied with my love for Christ, no matter what I've sacrificed already, Paul says. It is still, I don't love him enough. Oh, how little we love him compared to Christ, uh, compared to Paul. So, verse 15, what are some of these areas? He already covered the S-K-O-O-L. Just start there. Just start there. Don't give the excuse, ah, too broad, I don't know what it is. Now then, lastly, all right, the lastly, the encouragement, the, I would say, look at verse 16. Nevertheless, where to we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. What is Paul saying? Nevertheless, where to we have attained. Now he says, whatever your state, because some may feel, ah, oh, I'm too far off, so far off. 
compared to Christians in church, compared to Paul, I think I just give up. I can never be that. Paul says, no, whatever state you have attained, whether you're a new believer, whether you're a backslided believer, whether you have not been growing and you're discouraged and you feel that it's beyond your reach, he said, no, whatever state it is, let this be in your mind. What is this in your mind? Keep pressing on. You know, sometimes when you partake in a race, before you start, you already feel, ah, oh, I think, look at all these guys. Look at their muscles. I think, well, I'll run, but I know I'm not going to be much. Paul says, don't think like that. Some of us may feel, you know, some people, they know the Bible so well. They understand God's word so quickly. And I don't think I will ever be that. Uh, this is what Paul is talking to. Some who feel that they already know, some Paul feel they, they, they struggle. See, don't give up, don't throw the towel in. By the grace of God, you can. You can run the way you are supposed to run. You can. The power of the resurrection is there. You can. So Christians, don't, don't let your flesh give you that discouragement or that excuse. Now, but... There is something more important in verse 16. Verse 14, we learn, well, what is it that you press? Is this the mark? The sinless perfection as close as possible. Verse 15, we learn, what are the areas? Whatever state you are. Now, verse 16, we learn, be convinced about this. Be convinced about this. Because he says this in verse 16. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. In other words, he say, be convinced about this. Whatever maturity, immaturity, whatever your ideas about the Christian race is, I need you to come to this summary. Nevertheless, come to this concluding thought in your mind. What is it? Now he puts it this way. Let us walk by the same rule, number one. Let us mind the same thing, number two. Be convinced about what? Because some of us may not be convinced, you know, at the end of all this. And Paul was probably worried about that. Maybe you still think, ah, forget it. Just a nice message to hear. Paul is not addressing, well, I have something nice to say to you. He seriously, earnestly, after sharing his own testimony, say, be like that. Have the same mind as me. Walk in the same, with the same rule as me. Please be like that. Don't just go through your Christian walk in church like, like putting up a show, going through the motions. Be happy enough. Say, don't, don't, don't. You will meet Christ one day. This is not the life you want. Be convinced about it. Convinced about what? Number one, walk by the same rule. Now, what is the same rule? You see, in the games, there are rules that they have to keep within. There are standards now, if you want to have this prize, there is a standard of people who have this prize. There is a principle. There are laws, there are rules. Now, he just spoke about it. He just said, I press towards the mark. There is a standard. Christians, don't lower that standard. Many of us lower that standard. This is good enough. Let's have the same rule. Means, in fact, this word rule is, is where we get the English word, the canon, the canon, the Bible, right? The canon of the Bible. The Greek word is kanon. The measure, that is what it means. The measure. God says there is a measure. And he said, now let's walk by the same measure. 
What is he saying? Please don't think that my standard is extreme. Please be convinced that this mark is for every Christian to press to. Because many get saved, many go to church and say, that kind of life is not for me. That standard is not for me. Now, I hope that this debunks it once and for all. Because look at verse 15. He said, now, if anyone be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Are you otherwise minded about the standard, teens? Our church is too strict, you know? Or maybe family members. Our church is too strict. But Paul says, I hope that God reveals this to you, that mark is perfection. That mark, that standard, that measure is perfection. I want you to live, walk by this rule. The word walk is a military word. Word is march. March, in line. Meaning to say, these are your marching orders. This is the standard. When I was in the military, serving national service, there are some things that we are told, this is the standard. When they come to your room, this is the standard by which I want you to pack your bed, order your cupboard, this is the standard. And then you walk by it. You can't change it, you can't change the rules. That is the standard. And then you live in trembling. Not, ah, whatever. God has a standard. Please know that. Teens, I hope you understand this. Perfection is what you must aim for. You cannot reach it, I know. We all know. You cannot get 100 marks in school, right? Do you go to exam? Uh, I can't get 100 marks, forget it. Just walk out. No. You still aim for it. You just try, right? Now, next one. Let us mind. So first, let us have walk by the same room. Meaning you say, the mark is the standard. Please accept it. Walk as close to perfection as possible is the standard. Don't say it's extreme. Now, then the second one. Let us mind the same thing. Now, here he's, he's already been talking about mind in verse 15. Let us be perfect, be thus minded. Now, if you trace it back, now what is this mind about? Mind the same thing. What is it? He has been emphasizing, don't be satisfied. Whatever state it is, do not stop pressing on. Do not be complacent. There is always room for improvement, for seriousness. He has been emphasizing that mind to them all the while. He already talked about the mark, the standard. But he said, you know your attitude towards reaching that standard that is one of I am never to be satisfied. I, can be, I should be very satisfied with my earthly things. But when it comes to the pursuit of holiness, this is one mind that I have, never satisfied. You say, walk, have that same, let's mind the same thing. Let us live by this concept in our mind. See, I want to emphasize again, Paul is writing to people that he loved very much. He knows that he is going to meet Christ not very long after this. He spoke many times about it. All he wants to see, I have lived this life because it's so clear to me that Mark, when I see Christ, 
I want you not to have any regrets. Do you feel that the mark is too high? I keep saying, whatever we teach in church, it's just God's standard. Very often, I don't think we even come close to teaching God's standard. But still, some still feel, well, too strict. But God says, no, no, don't be satisfied. Now, finally, Paul is saying, aim and have a vision. Have a vision. Athletes, Olympians, they have a vision. You have many visions about your role in, at work, about your bank account. But God says, have a vision to end well. Have a vision. When you reach that mark, you are as close to what God wants you to be. Have that vision. Not, well, I'm going to get the price anyway. Well, when I reach that, whatever state I am, fine. Paul says, now, whatever state you have attained to, have this vision. Have this standard. Have this mindset. Well, someone says, winners never quit. Quitters never win. I think that is a good reminder. Paul basically says, I'm ready to lose anything on this earth to gain what I can gain in eternity when I see Christ. And that is why I will press on. Oh, dear Christian friend, I do not know how to pour out my heart to you. Even for myself, after reading this passage, I am so rebuked. Have I become satisfied in areas? Have I still, become, have I still remained relentless in my service, in my pursuit of Christ, the knowledge of Him, in my obedience, in my being overwhelmed by His love and in my love for Him? I am very rebuked. Then I realized it is so easy to be contented. Now we are going to sing a closing hymn and this person says, well, I'm pressing on the upward way, scaling new heights every day. Some may dwell where all this abound, but my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. 116, let us rise. 116, 116.